Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello there, friends. Thanks for joining us today. Romans chapter 8, please, in your copy of the Word of God. We have arrived at a place in Romans that I have been just chomping at the bit to get to. And that is the familiar section in verses 26 through 29, really 26 through 30. What a great section to give you hope and confidence in your Christian experience. Uh, These are some really sturdy hooks that you can hang your faith on. And I want to jump right in. So Romans chapter 8, and we've been talking about our hope, our confidence in what God has told us about our future, the longing that we all have for the completion of our salvation. The Bible says the adoption, which is still future in in this context, that is the redemption of our body. Now look at verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So remember we brought out the point that in this life we have suffering and that suffering is not accidental. God actually allows suffering in our life so that we can become more like Christ. We can learn more about him. Uh, It's the fellowship of his sufferings. But that doesn't necessarily take the pain away or the frustration or the question marks. So what resource has God given us now before the redemption of our body? Uh, While we're still in this nasty now and now, what, what resource has God given us to equalize, to stabilize us with the massive pressure that we're feeling from uh, this world and uh, even our own flesh and the devil that tries to upend us at every turn. What, 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 What do we have? Well, watch verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses, because we are weak. And sometimes the weaknesses that we have in our flesh, sometimes in our dedication, our infirmities, sometimes those weaknesses are even prescribed by God. Remember Paul's own testimony when he said, God gave me this thorn in the flesh. I didn't realize it at first. I even asked him to take it away at first. But God clarified to me that I gave you this infirmity, this weakness. Now, some Bible scholars believe that it was his eyesight. I happen to believe that. But whatever that thorn in the flesh was, that infirmity, it was something that God used for Paul then to rely upon God, to to be needy in that sense. In his weakness, God could be glorified and Paul could be strengthened because when I am weak, that he is strong. 
and God's grace became more evident because God's grace was sufficient. So here in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Why? Because we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now, don't you love that statement? We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, I think there's an encouragement in that statement, and I think there's a discouragement in that statement. Because sometimes I go to the Lord and I know exactly what I need. Lord, I need this and I need you to pay that and I need you to take care of this person and I need you to fix this, fix this situation. I think I know exactly what I need in prayer. But what's the statement of scripture? The statement of scripture is, we know not what to pray for as we ought. Now, I think as we grow in grace and we delight ourselves in the Lord, more and more we understand the things we need and don't need. All of a sudden, our prayers turn into less gimme, 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 and more, Lord, use this in my life and help me. And I'm not automatically saying, Lord, heal me of this, but Lord, use whatever it is you're doing in this sickness to help me to become more like Christ, to have greater soul winning and witnessing opportunities. Boy, my prayer becomes more mature as I am matured in Christ. So the Bible says here, we don't always know what to pray for as we ought, but who does know what we need? And who does know how to pray for us intelligently? Well, look at verse number 26. We know not what to pray for as we ought, You see that term, we know not. There's some things we just don't know. In verse number 28, we're going to get there, but there's some things we do know. So let's operate on what we know, what we don't know, uh, not on what we don't know. So we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So have you ever been in your life and you don't even know how to articulate a prayer? Lord, I don't even have a suggestion for you about what to do in this situation. That's not a bad place to be, by the way. That's a good place to be. Because God doesn't need our suggestions in the sense that he doesn't have it figured out or he needed us to give him a good strategy. Now, sometimes... Situations in life are so painful, so complex, so frustrating that I don't even know how to unpack this to the Lord. Maybe I'm hurting so much because of this broken whatever in my life that I can't even articulate the words. I can't even utter them. I just, it's like I'm I'm groaning in my spirit to the Lord. Lord, I'm here. I've prostrated myself before you. I don't even know what to say, but oh God, I need you. And the Bible says it's the Spirit of God that takes even those groanings. He takes even those, the, those heart, that heart cry. Uh, he interprets the pain and the fear, the frustration, the question marks, uh, all of it, and prays for us. Wow, that is a great, promise that even when we don't know what to say, even when we don't know what to pray, we have an advocate praying for us. Look at verse number 27. For he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. So 
you know, obviously God communicates to us via his spirit and God searches our hearts. He knows both what's in our heart and he also knows, he, he has perfect knowledge of, he knows what he knows, the spirit, and he knows what we, what, what we, what, what we don't even know about ourselves. The hidden things that we don't even understand about ourselves. He knows he searches the, the mind, the heart. He knows because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I think most of us understand that when we pray, a mature prayer is a prayer that is according to the will of God. Uh, John talked about that in 1 John chapter 5. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And so when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. So we want to make sure that our will is aligned with his will because insofar that I am submissive to and aligned with the will of God, then I can pray with great confidence because I know that what I'm asking is what God wants, right? So there's confidence there. So I'm praying intelligently. I'm praying in a spiritual mature way. And yet the Bible says here, we can rest assured that we have a constant prayer partner in the Holy Spirit, in our Lord Jesus Christ, who prays for us, intercedes for us. He's a go-between for us because he knows exactly what we need in that exact situation. He knows what we need. He's praying according to that will of God, that God's will would be done in that exact moment in your life. Now, can that possibly be true? I mean, if Jesus is praying, his prayers always get answered. If he's praying according to the will of God, then is God really allowing every single thing in the life of the believer to be filtered through the powerful prayer of Jesus through the Holy Spirit? Is that true? And the answer is yes, which leads us to one of the most compelling and awe-inspiring verses in all the Bible, which is verse number 28. Because we know not what to pray for as we ought, but here's what we know. Here's what we know, because he's praying for us, and he's praying according to the will of God, and he's interpreting even the that gut-level groaning, like, Lord, I want to be in your will, and I want this to work for my good and for your glory, and it's going to. Why? Because we know something. Look at verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Okay, simply put, if you're a child of God, you love God. If you're a child of God, you have been called according to his purpose. And the Bible says, therefore, Every single thing in your life, although it seems disconnected, although it seems disparate, although it seems random, every single thing in your life, God can take and put in the, the stew of his sovereignty and work it out for your good. All the choices that other people make and all the things that come down the pipeline, all the random things and all of the exponential possibilities that could happen. Well, if they decided this and he went here and they did that, put it all together, throw it into the soup of God's sovereignty. God's bigger than all of that. He's bigger than all of that. And God has a masterful, he has a... Uh, a, a powerful, um, omnipotently powerful way 
of taking every single thing in your life, choices that maybe were even bad choices and situations that you never would have invited and things that were done to you that were evil and malicious. God can take everything and put it together and work it together for your good and for his glory. That's what it says. We know, we know this, that all things work together. Now, does that mean that all things that happen to you are good? Of course not. No, it's not good that you were abused. It's not good that uh, that person lied about you. It's not good uh, that you are suffering in the way that you're suffering physically. It's not good. No, that's not good. That's that's a, a, a an indication of the sin-cursed world in which we live. But wait a minute. God can work it together for good. God can even redeem our bad choices. Yeah, you meant it for evil, said Joseph, but God... God meant it for good. And God even took that really dumb, evil, envious, murderous choice of throwing me in that pit and selling me into slavery. God even used that for good. He meant it for good. So there it is. God has the ability to take all of the disparate and diverse choices of your life and stew it together and work it. God is the master chef. He knows all the ingredients and he works them out for our good and for his glory. Look at verse number 28 one more time. For those who are the called according to his purpose. And what's his purpose? His purpose, we know what his purpose is. It's to save us. He has saved us, justification. He is saving us, sanctification. He will save us, the redemption of our body, adoption, He's made it a sure thing. And so next episode, we'll jump into where does predestination come into all this? Has God arbitrarily chosen some people to go to hell and some people to go to heaven? No, 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 perish that thought. No, I think you will be so encouraged by hearing what Romans 8.29 means in the context of God working everything together for your good according to his grand purpose for you. Join us next time, verse number 29. Hope you'll be there. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.